0: So before uh, I get started, I just want to also uh, mention that uh, after services, we're going to have a going-away party for the Howls. Unfortunately, we're going to have to say goodbye to this family, wonderful family. Um, that's half our you know, children's ministry just gone out the window. Um, so um, so we're, we're, we're glad to know that they're, they're moving on with, with their career, but, but sad to see them go. Um, and I just, and so that's going to be in the gym, uh, right after services, just to say goodbye to them in the station, sorry, in the station, in the station. Thank you. Um, I also just want to, uh, make sure everyone knows, uh, so today, um, you know, Kaylee Bone is going to be, uh, bearing her father, uh, right, services today. Um, and, uh, just want to make sure everyone's praying for her and Steven and, uh, just love, Love you guys family so much and just hurt for for her and for what they're going through right now. And so um just wanna make sure that everyone is praying for Kaylee and, and, and for what they're going through right now um and their kids and um you know it's it's tough uh, to lose a father. So um just wanna mention that as well. In fact will uh, just if that's okay. Our Father in heaven, we just uh, are so grateful for all that you do for us, and right now we just pray that you would be with Kaylee and her family, with Stephen. Um, just bless them, Lord, on this difficult day, um, and the difficulty, uh, the sorrow, the grief that they're feeling right now. Just, Lord, pray that you would give them peace and comfort in the midst of their grief. Um, to know that as Christians, we don't mourn as others do. Um It's so comforting, God, and to know that you are there for us. Um, But still, God, it hurts. And so just pray that you'd be with them, bless them, uh, be with their entire family there, uh, bring them home safe when it's time, God. God, we love you, and we're just so grateful uh, for all you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want you to think about the strongest person you've ever seen in your life. And uh, I- I'm talking about physical strength. What's the strongest physically person you've ever seen? And, I, when I, and I, don't, I don't mean on the screen, right? I don't mean, you know, the rock or, you know, the mountain or one of the you know, movie icons. I'm talking about someone you've actually seen in person. Uh, when I think about the strongest people I've ever seen in my life, there's two men that come to mind. One of them was a gunnery sergeant I had at 3rd Battalion, 3rd Marines. First of all, he was like 6'7", 6'8", already. Giant man. Hey, he was one of the only guys that I had to do this when I talked to him, right? Um, so he was already big. Hey, John's back. All right, good to see you, brother. Sorry, I'm excited to see John. Sorry. Um, so, so he was just a giant man, but but he also uh, had, had started working out a lot when we got there. I know the Marines are supposed to work out a lot, but this guy's really started working out a lot, and he was just putting on massive amounts of muscle. So, he mean, just looked like. It was just crazy. He would go in the gym and they, he and his, his workout partner, who was only about 5'10", but was still big old dude too, they would start working out and literally all of us in the gym would just stop and watch them for a while because it was just amazing. He'd, he'd be doing pull-ups like it was nothing. It looked like he was pulling the bar down instead of pulling himself up. They would put these big heavy chains, like something you see in a movie, around their necks and just do pull-ups all day long. It was crazy. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was just massively strong. But, but he's not even the strongest one. The strongest man I've ever known was, uh, believe it or not, my instructor for a weightlifting class I took at Abilene Christian University. Okay, they still make you take PE credits at college. And uh, so I took weightlifting. And uh, my instructor for that course had been on the uh, Russian Olympic weightlifting team. Um, so he was jacked. You would not believe how much muscle this guy had and he wore baggy clothing and he was really kind of you know He didn't really really show it off a lot So it took me a while to realize how much but I I remember one time he was showing us how to do something and he was pulling like this and his pectoral muscles just started bulging out and I thought his pecs are bigger than my legs. (laughs) I have nothing on my body as big as I mean he was just so massive and uh, I just thought this is a strong person now, I know that when we think about physical strength, or we think about strength in general, uh, we don't have a depiction of Jesus kind of like that. So if you put the, put it, that's not how we think of Jesus, is it? Right? You say that's sacrilegious, that's not what he looks like anyway, so it do, doesn't matter, right? Um, dost thou even lift, brother? Right? I mean, <laughs> he died for our gains, right? This is not the, the vision of Jesus we have, right? Jesus, muscular and buff. Uh, but at least one Korean pastor did, if you put the next picture up. Uh, in South uh, Korea, in Yongchong, um, there is a pastor who built uh, this, this kind of sanctuary, and he put statues out there. And one of them is of the buffest Jesus you'll ever see in your life. If you go to the next picture, it's a little, not as good quality a picture, but, I mean, <laughs> thou shalt not skip leg day, right? Um, <laughs> That is a buff Jesus, okay? For some reason, he thought, that's how I need to to portray Jesus. So I know that's not how we typically think of Jesus, but I think maybe it should be. I think maybe we should start thinking a little bit more about strong Jesus, because as we read the Gospel of Mark, the very first thing that John the Baptizer proclaims about our Lord and Savior is that after me comes the one more powerful than i or the one stronger than i in fact in both matthew and luke record the exact same phrase in relating the words that that john says about christ it's the first thing he says the one more powerful than i john elaborates these claims in two ways first of all he talks about the baptism that jesus is going to baptize with it's going to be with the holy spirit not just water like john is doing so there's going to be power in his baptism. But also says, he also says, I'm not even worthy to get on my knees and untie his sandals. That's how mighty the one who comes after me is. I'm not even worthy to do that. So John says, if you think anything of me, you think I'm a great man, I'm nothing compared to this man. And sure enough, as you read on, Jesus' ministry starts with an incredible display of power. Jesus is in Capernaum at the synagogue, and a man possessed by a demon comes into the assembly. And there's this confrontation that happens. He says, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Now, the demon sees what the humans around Jesus aren't seeing, right? Immediately, the demon recognizes that this is the Holy One of God. And the realization, you got to notice, strikes fear. Fear. Into the demon. The demon is afraid. And he questions whether Jesus is there to destroy them. And notice he says, us. Not me, us. Implying that this demon believes that Jesus has not only the power to destroy that demon, but all the demons. But instead of some kind of contest breaking out between Jesus and the demon-possessed man, Jesus just casts the demon out immediately with two quick commands, be quiet and come out of him. Or we might say, shut up and get out of here, right? And he does. The demon does exactly what he says. With a jolt and a shriek, the demon is gone. And every witness there is amazed as word spreads quickly about Jesus. And this begins to set up a running theme throughout the book of Mark. Okay, if you've been in my class on Sunday mornings, you're probably sick of hearing this, but the most common response you find in the book of Mark to Jesus by the people around him is either fear or amazement or a combination thereof. People are constantly either afraid of him or amazed by him. You see, sometimes I think we picture a gentle Jesus, right? We picture a Jesus full of kindness, full of mercy, right? Jesus with the little children sitting under a tree, Jesus with the lamb on his shoulders, right? And those are wonderful, beautiful pictures of Jesus. but Jesus is also the one who is stronger than I. Jesus is a Jesus of power. And in, in, in this word strong, before you say, well, you know, strong, powerful, that can mean a lot of things. The word that Mark uses is the word for physical strength, is the word for might and power, okay? It's not, it doesn't uh, talk about some kind of metaphysical strength or some kind of strength of character it's talking about real might and real power. It's the word you would use for military strength. It's even the word you might use for violent behavior. And interestingly enough, we hear the same word strong on the, word, on the lips of Jesus himself in chapter 3 of Mark. By this time, Jesus has spent a good amount of time preaching the kingdom of God, right? He's, he's been performing miracles. He's been exercising a lot of demons. Not exercising, I know. that's, But he's, he's already become known in Judea. And Mark tells us already in chapter 3 that, that the, they already want to kill him. The Pharisees and others are already tired of him and want to kill him. And in verse 20, Mark tells us that, that members of Jesus' own family come. Come and they, try to take, they want to take Jesus away. They want to take him home because they, they don't understand what's, what he's doing. And they think, they think maybe he's out of his mind. They think maybe he's crazy. He's lost it. And so they come, and they, they're, they're going to try and take Jesus away. The Pharisees are there, too, and they teach the law, and, and they, they take it a little step further. They don't just say he's crazy. They say he's demon-possessed. They accuse Jesus himself of being possessed by the power of Satan. <clears throat> And their argument is this, that since Jesus is casting demons out, he obviously has power over demons. Therefore, the power must come from the king of demons, Satan himself. That's the only thing that makes sense, right? No, of course not. But Jesus' response is not to get upset. With he calls him over, right? He says, come on, guys, let's, let's talk about this. Let's set the record straight. And he lays out a very reasoned case for why his power does not come from Satan. The first argument he makes is that if using the devil's power to drive out, if he is using the devil's power to drive out demons, then Satan is fighting against himself. And that doesn't make any sense at all, does it? Why would Satan want to be taking demons out of people and destroying his territory? That makes no sense, right? A house or a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, Jesus says. That makes no sense. So it can't be that. But he says, he makes a second argument. He says that no one can walk into a man's house and take his stuff, right? If you want to go into someone's house, a capable person who has the ability to fight back, a strong person, what do you have to do first before you can just go in and take their stuff? You have to incapacitate them. You have to bind them. You have to neutralize the threat, right? Otherwise, they're not going to let you just come take their stuff. And so Jesus says, that's what's happening. He says, I'm coming in and I'm taking Satan's stuff. And the implication is, if you're going to bind the strong man, what are you? You're even stronger. Because you can't bind a strong man unless you're stronger than that man. And so Jesus is saying, since he's not using Satan's power, but he is robbing Satan of his power and dominion, then he is stronger. Satan. Jesus proclaims that he is coming to plunder what Satan has possessed. And you start to see this, right? What the teachers are trying to proclaim is that Jesus is in cahoots with Satan, right? That they're in league together. And it's the exact opposite is actually happening. Christ is invading Satan's territory. He is destroying the power that he has over people. He is freeing the captives of Satan and bringing about a new dominion, the kingdom of God. Everywhere he goes. And nowhere is this reality more vividly on display than in chapter 5 of Mark, where we just read this morning. Where Jesus and his disciples travel across the Sea of Galilee and they have a unique encounter. Here Mark describes Jesus' confrontation with the demoniac of grand proportions, right? And, and and if you really pay attention to the story, and, and I know we've heard this story so many times that we can kind of lose sight of what's really happening here. But Mark writes it in such a way and includes details in such a way to evoke a sense that Jesus is stepping out of a boat into the territory, the evil, unclean territory of Satan. That's the way this story is written. First of all, we have Jesus crossing the Sea of Galilee into Gentile territory. He's leaving Judea. He is moving into Gentile territory. There's some debate over exactly what the Gerasenes or however it's translated because, you know, one language to another, sometimes it gets kind of, especially word places, uh, places words names for, for places get kind of mixed up. It's not 100% sure exactly where this was, but we know it was on the coast of Galilee. We know it was on the other side. And we know there's a bunch of pigs later on. No Jew is going to have a bunch of pigs, especially 2,000 of them. They're not going to own them. They're not going to live near them. So we know Jesus was in Gentile territory at this point. This is not Jewish land. Then we have the demoniac himself, right, dominated by unclean, evil spirits. So many, in fact, and this is what makes it unique, that Jesus, when he asked the name, the reply is, Legion, for we are many. So, we have essentially an army of Satan's demons having overtaken a man in mass. Then there's the effects that it's had on the man, right? He's become uncontrollable by other people because the demons have somehow given him this incredible physical strength, right? They've tried to, to bind him, they've tried to help him, they've tried to calm him down. And not only has he, I, I imagine, fought them off, but Any chains they put around him, he has just torn right through them. Amazing strength, but uncontrollable, violent strength. No one is powerful enough, same word, strong enough to bind him, to help him. But what the story really focuses on is the other effects that it's had on this man, right? What has it done to this man? It has isolated him. It has caused intense. Suffering for him. He cries out in pain and agony all day and all night. I imagine hearing that his cries in the middle of the night must have been terrifying. The misery and the insanity that he's enduring has led him to cut himself, to take stones and gash himself. He's alone, either by his own choice or because they just can't do anything with him, and so they've let him go be by himself to suffer on his own. The torment that this man must have felt is unimaginable. And and then you think about everything that's unspoken, right, that we can just imagine. I mean, I don't even want to know what he eats, how he sustains himself. I don't even want to know. I, I don't know what kind of horrors he's brought on people who have ventured too near to where he lives. Right? Think about going and having to bury someone in the tombs that this man's living in or just happened to walk by what he has done I think about his own family the town he grew up in to have to simply leave him to be tortured and essentially just having to forget about him because he's beyond their help and then there's the fact that he's living among the tombs graves were unclean for Jews you You couldn't touch a dead body. You couldn't touch a grave without becoming unclean. And so you just see we have stacked upon, stacked upon, stacked upon itself, all these details that just shout out, this is Satan's territory. This is unclean space that Jesus is moving into. Honestly, guys, this story is the stuff of nightmares. If you really pay attention. So imagine as the the apostles are tying up the boat, right? And they're making it secure and Jesus steps off. And before they even can kind of get together and decide where they're going yet, right? All of a sudden, this heaving hulk of a man with filthy, dirty clothing, matted, greasy hair, a scraggly beard, dried blood caked all over his body with oozing wounds on top of that, just radiating evil energy and menace advances out of the gloom towards them, and just with spit and anger flying off his lips, he yells at Jesus at the top of his lungs, what do you want with me, Jesus? I mean, this is a horror movie scene. This is frightening. This legion of demons... This legion of demons has taken over this man. It's camped in this unfortunate man. And now it demands to know what Christ wants with them. And in a twist that would be funny if it wasn't so frightening a moment, the demons actually evoke the name of God to try and force Jesus not to torture them. Do you notice that? In the name of God, they try to invoke that power over Jesus. See, what Mark sets up here is an epic duel, right? I mean, what we've got here is the making of a crazy scene good versus evil, light versus darkness, God's chosen one versus an entire army of Satan's demons. I mean, Hollywood would make this a fight scene for the ages, right? The, the, the budget for the CGI alone would be in the tens of millions of dollars, right? That's what we have here. We have this setup. And yet, all Jesus has to do is ask a simple question. What's your name? And all of a sudden, this horde of evil beings that now seem to be trapped inside this man as opposed to possessing him, right? Now, all of a sudden, they can't wait to get out of him. They can't wait to go somewhere else. Now they're trapped. It's no contest, right? They beg for retreat. Just let us out of here, Jesus. It's like that scene from Indiana Jones, remember? Where the, the, this giant swordsman comes out of the crowd and starts swinging his big old scimitar, and you're like, oh man, this is gonna be a good one, right? And then Indiana Jones just pulls out his gun and shoots him, and then it's over. And the funny thing about that scene is that that's exactly what Harrison Ford said, why wouldn't I just pull my gun out and shoot him, right? They had it set up to be this incredible fight scene, and he said, but I have a gun, why wouldn't I just shoot him? And so they're like, let's do that for the movie, right? That's what happens here, right? You, you think it's going to be this epic contest. It should have been, but it wasn't. It wasn't even close, right? In fact, the, word, the, the phrase that Mark employs for, he gave them permission to go into the swine, that's the word you would use for a, a, a superior dismissing their subordinate. Yes, you may leave. Get out of here. It's a dismissive term Jesus uses to say, yes, leave. These were not equals going toe-to-toe, guys. Jesus is the one who is stronger, and He shows it in, in, in such an overwhelming way, right? That you think about the transformation that occurs in this possessed man. I mean, it's instantaneous and it's miraculous. People come to see what's happened, because believe it or not, when 2,000 swine run into the sea and drown themselves, it's hard to keep that a secret for very long, right? Um, and so people come from all around and go, "What happened? And they come up, and here's this man sitting, calmly, dressed, and in his right mind. I always picture, this is silly, I always picture him sipping tea, you know, and his hair is all combed. And they, and they, who's this? Well, good morning, how are you today, right? I mean, I just, for me, I picture him just completely civilized, right? I know that's crazy, I know that's silly. But this man, the transformation is, is remarkable, His life has been restored to him, guys. His real chains have been broken. Not those ones they kept binding him with, but the real chains that have been binding him all his life, or at least for a while, have been broken. The evil has been exercised. And before we turn from this story to discuss the implications for our own lives, I want to to just make sure we all are on the same page on something. Demons do exist, and they still haunt humanity. I think we would be incredibly wrong to assign possession in scripture to some severe mental illness or disorder. Some people do that. That is not how it works. I have not seen what I would call demonic possession with my own eyes and recognized it as such, but I have talked to plenty of people who have felt tormented, even somewhat possessed, terrorized by demons, and I believed most of them. But I can also tell you this, the fact is that every single one of those people I've talked to could tell you the exact moment they invited that presence into their life. I haven't talked to a single person who said I didn't want it, it came on me without me asking. C.S. Lewis warned that there are two equal and opposite errors which our race can fall about the demons. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive an unhealthy interest in them. Both extremes will get us in trouble. They do exist, but we shouldn't be too interested in them. Either of these reactions is harmful. Satan is real, his angels are real, and they do have power. But what the gospel proclaims loud and clear is that the evil of this world, the evil that you see in the people around you, The evil that you see on the TV and on your phone and on your tablet, the evil that you even see when we look into our own mirrors is nowhere near powerful than I. Jesus Christ came with power and with might, and his kingdom is one of great power and might. And for those of us who have been overcome by evil from without and within, this is the greatest news there is. There is nothing greater I mean, our Savior doesn't even break a sweat when confronted by the armies of Satan. In fact, he has now conquered them completely through his sacrificial death. And we can trust in that. We can put our faith in that. We can believe and pray in the name of Jesus and in that name conquer the evil in our own lives. And the first step towards making this power real in our lives is realizing realizing how much we need it when Christ was criticized by the teachers of the law for eating with the tax collectors and the sinners, you know, those really bad people, his reply was, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He's saying, not only is he speaking about that he came to call the unrighteous, but the reason that sinners were responding to Jesus while Israel's teachers were rejecting him is because the former knew they needed a Savior. The former knew just how sick they were. Whereas the teachers of the law had no concept of the sin and depravity in their own souls. Now, it should not surprise you to know that the word translated as healthy, it's the same word for strong, for able. Jesus said, as long as you think you're strong, you don't think you need me no one comes to the one stronger than them unless they accept their own weakness their own need i know some of you are constantly aware of your own weaknesses and you're constantly aware of your need for christ but a lot of us we forget don't we let's be honest sometimes we think we've got it figured out we think we don't really need help we think we're doing just fine on our own but that's just satan leading us away to a more vulnerable place or he can pounce. Getting us to trust in our own strength or the strength of someone else or something else, the strength of our own goodness, the strength of our own knowledge, the strength of being the most right, the strength of my money, my beauty, my popularity, my position, whatever it is. But every source of power in this world besides Christ is not only vastly inferior to him, but it is also temporary. There is not a power in this world besides Christ that isn't temporary. When we truly recognize that there is no way that I can overcome the temptation and sin that I face, much less do anything about the fact that my my sin and my rebellion have earned me death and damnation, that it has severed me from my creator and sentenced me to pain and torment, when I know that, then I'm ready to accept the one stronger than I. Thanks be to God that he has made a way to conquer the sin and evil in our lives, right? Through his son, Jesus, we have the hope of salvation. For Christ did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and took on the appearance of man and became obedient, even to the point of death, death on the cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, That at the name of Christ, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it is in that name, that powerful name, that we find salvation and healing for our souls. We have a powerful Savior powerful, full of might. And I don't know what demons you're facing, but I know one thing for sure Jesus is stronger than every one of them. And it's not even close. It's not even a contest. Stronger than whatever struggle you might be going through. So won't you place your faith in him? Won't you call on his name in your time of needs? Won't you put him on in baptism and be washed by his powerful blood? Won't you realize that you don't have to be strong enough? Right? You don't have to be because your savior is the one stronger than I. And when you leave this place and you face your demons, remind them whose name you bear, Christian, because at the name of Christ, evil trembles every time. If you need prayers this morning, we pray that you would come. If you need to be baptized into the name of Jesus, and have your sins washed away, the only way to have salvation is through Jesus Christ. That is the plan, as Ken said, the plan that God had since the beginning of time. He sent his powerful son to come and to die for us. If you need that this morning, we pray that you'd come as we stand and sing.